0: Welcome to getting off with Natalie
1: and Rocky.
0: where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach.
1: And I'm Rocky Peterson, yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Getting off with Natalie and Rocky. I'm Rocky
0: and I'm Natalie.
1: And today we are going to talk about what do you do when you want sex, but find it unavailable. And, oh uh, okay, this is going to be interesting because, you know, Natalie and I were just kind of chatting about what unavailable is and it kind of sounds like we have a little bit of a differing opinion of what it is, but we're going to find out and have some new ideas for you to have some sexy time one way or the other.
0: Well, in this context, I was thinking about unavailability as in whether you're partnered or single, you have a desire for sexual intimacy, for pleasure exchange with someone, and for whatever reason, uh, you find it unavailable to you. If you're single, it's just because you don't have someone immediately around you that it would be easy to create that with if you're partnered It could be that you have someone around you who is not necessarily on board with creating it with you at the moment, and therefore you have this desire and it's not being met.
1: Okay. Well, hold on just a second. Those are two possibilities, but my gosh, there must be a dozen or if not hundreds more of hybrids of that. Okay. Well, I'm single, but I have a fuck buddy or I'm in a relationship and I'm not single, but my partner is ill or my partner is not interested. So, I mean, there are so many like combinations, so many convoluted hybrid things just aren't cut and dried, you know, whether we were in a relationship or not anymore. So we've got to kind of delve into that, don't we?
0: Well, I think all the things that you just named fit into those two different scenarios of either you're single and, and there's no one around you where it's possible or you're not and you're faced with a situation where you wish it was possible with someone but there but there's not availability or willingness on the other side. And I think part of why I wanted to bring up this scenario is because pretty much everyone who is either single or in a relationship experiences this because we can't have all of our desires met all the time uh, especially when we're relying on things external to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what is popularized in our culture and really normalized is kind of emotionally manipulating each other and abusing each other and trying to use each other to meet these desires. Uh, We have all kinds of creative ways of trying to compel others to give us what we want uh, without without really acknowledging to ourselves that that's what we're doing. And the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is because there's a really, really simple and powerful way to actually get what we want without all of this feeling of like trying to force it or having to work hard to get it. And this phenomenon that we talked about some in our last conversation, which is taking responsibility, total responsibility for our needs and desires and and not expecting others to consent to being responsible to those for us you know unless that comes from their authentic desire right sometimes in a partnership we have a partner who genuinely wants to be responsible for some of our needs that's a beautiful thing that is a part of like receiving being loved that's different than like us not really wanting to do the work to figure out ways to provide ourselves with the things that we're wanting not really wanting to pour our own energy and our own awareness into what we're creating for ourselves and instead looking for someone outside of us to give it to us
1: okay so this is gonna this is really going to be interesting i think because boy there are a lot of people out there who you know want sex but are finding it unavailable and mm-hmm. what do we do when we find it unavailable, you know, the the manipulation and the coercion and because what happens, I think, is by the time we get to the place where we want sex, you know, we're we're kind of feeling it more as a need now as the, you know, kind of just, oh, you know, that would be nice. And when that need kind of crops up, it's kind of like hunger. It, It gets a little demanding. It gets a little bit I don't want anybody to feel like I'm suggesting they're desperate or anything, but that that sensation can kind of...
0: Some trauma comes up around unmet needs, and it creates this urgency around it that that is actually more of a survival thing than it is pure desire.
1: Yeah. So what we do is we kind of employ desperate looking tactics. Okay. And that is you know kind of being pushy kind of being uh, like you said manipulative or it's coercive it's strategy
0: right it's or, strategy or,
1: yeah i mean all of that it's for almost anybody that's going to feel like pressure that isn't yes. fun not Any, sexy at all anytime
0: we are strategizing to try to create an outcome it's going to be received as pressure it's going to be felt by the other person that that's what we're driving towards and and you know people are very very sensitive to feeling whether or not they're being pushed or pulled or compelled in a direction versus lovingly invited in a, you know, in a space of safety and connection with each other. Those are really big differences.
1: Well, yeah, if you're in a, some, some kind of a relationship that's, you know, loving and inviting, then this conversation probably would be a moot point for them Because if it's unavailable, it's probably only unavailable for a very short period of time, right? And so it's like, okay, you you know, in that case, if you're paired up with somebody and everything's normally pretty good and you find it unavailable for a little while, maybe in that case, you just go, okay, that's fine. I'm good for a little while. I can wait for my partner to, you know, kind of get on the same page with me.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll just... Slide in that in the partner scenario, part of taking total responsibility for our own needs, our own desires, and therefore our own pleasure is not pinning those needs on our partner and expanding our awareness to other ways that we can fill that particular cup, that particular need. What we experience as like a deep need for sex it's not always that we specifically need intercourse in those moments. It's not always that. I mean, yes, we are hormonally driven to a degree, but we're also very complex, intimate beings. And we have emotional needs that drive us much more powerfully, I would say, than the sexual ones do. And so, I genuinely think that part of why the drive is so intense behind men's sexuality is because it is layered with unmet emotional needs that come up whenever that feeling that need for sex comes up and so it it becomes this like pressurized experience with all the feels and all the energy driving behind it and and like no wonder women receive that and they're like oh my god so much at once because it's really intense, and I think that it's because men are carrying some of their trauma along with that sexual energy, some of their fears of being rejected, their hurts of, of creating insecurities about themselves. And just like I don't think that the energy that we feel with that really like intense drive feeling is purely sex energy.
1: Does that make no, sense? oh, absolutely. I mean. I, I can, I can vouch for an enormous amount of rejection in relationships and out of relationships. I mean, I mean, you know, you look at the dating scene, for example, you know, like online dating and, you know, a woman puts up a profile and she gets, you know, 50, 100, 200 messages. Right. A guy puts up a profile first of all, he gets no messages. I mean, you know, rarely he gets messages. So he goes and he, he crafts a message and blasts it out to a hundred women. Right. Because he's got He's got to put out a big net. All she's got to do is throw her line in the water and she's got her fish. He's got to put out a great big net because he is so used to so much rejection. He's just got to, he's just got to do the shotgun blast and, and see what, you know, What happens? So, I mean, that's kind of an indication to me of what men are up against, you know, when it comes to looking for, you know, even a date.
0: Does that man you describe understand why he's up against so much rejection, why he experiences that?
1: (laughs) Well, that's, I mean, who knows?
0: Let me reframe that question. The woman who gets a hundred messages, what is her experience like?
1: Well, that's that's got to be really overwhelming and really kind of frustrating. I would imagine.
0: Is it fun to reject a bunch of guys?
1: Oh, I can't imagine that would be fun at all. I could see why women are kind of apprehensive to be on places like that because, yeah, that they're going to have to say no so many times, or or just as bad, ghost him, ghost them all.
0: You know what a lot of men do when you reject them.
1: I can only imagine, but no, tell me.
0: <laughs> they say, it's okay. I thought you were fat anyway, or you're not that fucking hot.
1: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. So they lash out. Yeah, they attack. Okay. So you're going to reject me, so I'm going to reject you. I'm going to reject you back.
0: Women receive 100 messages, and we have a decision to make. Do we take the time to show that we care about this man's feelings by giving him a considerate rejection and risk the chance that he's going to then tell us we're a fat cow
1: mm-hmm.
0: and make it about us being a bitch, basically? Or do we just leave him hanging there and not deal with that at all for the ones that we have decided are not a yes for us?
1: Yeah, clearly. I mean, that sounds like the logical thing to do, just leave them hanging.
0: I have played with different ways to reject men. And like I feel for men, and I understand it's got to hurt to be rejected. I have been rejected as a woman, as myself. So I, I've been rejected by girlfriends and by men, and I know that rejection is painful. So I feel for men in this experience, and I, I have I have played with and experimented with, uh, different ways that I can communicate my rejection respectfully. And the fact is a lot of men are still so heavily focused on their own wounded experience that they cannot even receive a respectful no without being assholes in response and it's really like it's it's so treacherous out there in the dating app waters when it comes to trying on these these connections that like a lot of women are they they just give up they're like no that's not that's not the way that's not it's not worth it i feel like because a lot of men are still sitting with so much of their rejection pain it is it is causing them to hold this perspective that comes from entitlement. Like there's this, you should choose me. And it's just like, why flip the the perspective around? Imagine being the woman receiving all of these messages. Why should I choose you? Cause it would make you feel good. Why am I responsible for that? You make you feel good. You take responsibility for that. You stop looking for a woman outside of you to make you feel like you're a real man and you build up your life so that you feel like you're a real man and you're real solid and you got a ton to offer and you attract a woman from that energy that's what's missing for so many men is there's so much denial of pain that men are sitting with that all of these behaviors built up around dancing around that pain and rejection is a big one like the whole way our dating scene works hookup culture all of that is designed to save men from rejection you know and it's what's really healthy is is being friends first and getting to know each other you know as people and slowly building intimacy are you excited to explore the world of pleasure?
1: If so, head to getting off with Natalieandrocky.com where you can choose your own adventure. Well, this is this is really fascinating. I think a lot of guys are gonna get something out of this because to realize that guys do that to women, to that you know that they're they come and lash out when you reject them. That makes a lot more sense to me why, you know, I I can't get an answer for, for example, I might be, you know, chatting with somebody and then they just stop. And it's like, I send another message and I send another message and it's like, I don't want to sit here and be the one that feels like I'm stalking you. So I might send a message that says, Hey, if you want me to not, you know, not text you anymore, will you just let me know? And I'll leave you alone because I don't want to text you. If you don't want me to text you, I don't want to be a pest, just just give me a no thank you and I'll leave it at that and I'll go away. But I can see why, you know, sometimes they won't even answer that.
0: Even asking for that is you asking her to take some responsibility for those feelings of rejection that are coming up for you in that scenario. Because you're kind of saying, are you rejecting me? I need to know for sure because I need to know if this is for real, like this kind of pain, this kind of feeling. And she doesn't even want to do the work for you to be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm rejecting you. I'm, I'm moving on from this connection. And not, but, not, not saying that that is a healthy way to do that. And, I, and that's why I said I have played with healthy, respectful ways to reject men because I don't think it's kind to just leave men wondering. Mm -hmm. But in that specific scenario that you name, I think that a good boundary to place with yourself is that if someone leaves you hanging and makes you feel like you're wondering, don't chase after them and ask for clarity. You have your clarity. Let it be that. And don't play the, what did I do wrong? What What could I do better game or anything like that?
1: See, I'm not trying to do that. It's like, I, you know, I just, I just don't want to be a pest, right? I don't want to text somebody if they don't want to hear from me. So, I, after about three messages, I don't really go much beyond that. If, if I'm not getting a reply anymore, it's like, okay, I'm gonna just going to let you roll on down my text messages, and, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother you. If you, if you come back, great. If you don't, then I'm going to consider that. I don't even look at it as rejection. To me, it's like there isn't something here for you that, that interests you enough. And, you know, so you're, you're, you're checked out, you're somewhere else. Okay, fine. I'm not even going to take it as rejection. I don't feel rejection anymore, but I'm in a little bit different, you know, situation because of what I do. But we're talking a little bit about, you know, other people here in, you know, what other people are experiencing. So
0: we're living in a time where it's really easy for people to kind of like blip in and out of each other's matrix right? So much connectivity we can connect in, we can like build that intimacy and really feel like a a part of each other's lives. And because we have this physical distance, we can blip right out and suddenly not hold that space in each other's lives. And it's a weird experience. And people don't have etiquette around how they do that. Because quite frankly, it's a new experience culturally to be able to create such intimate closeness and also blip out totally.
1: So we've got some information for you folks out there of some ideas. But before we get to that, I've got one more question. And that is, Natalie, so, you know, one of the kind of the dilemmas is when we're doing this dating thing, right, as guys, you know, we've got our big net out there. And part of what we're looking for really kind of is, hey, is there anybody out here that wants to talk to me? so that I can start this dialogue of asking questions and getting engaged with you and, and, and starting to learn how you are and all that other stuff. I can stop you right here. Okay.
0: Thinking of women as something that you're going to catch with a really big net that right there, right there is a, is an issue with the strategy and and an issue with the way that you're thinking and approaching as a woman, when I'm going out and I'm looking at men I am. I'm going to each profile and I'm, I'm looking at, is this a person that I feel has good energy? Do I like what they say on their profile? Does this look like a person that I could talk to? So first of all, most men don't put much effort into their profiles. They don't think about how they're being received by women when women go and look at their profiles. Most men have <laughs> jokes for their pictures where it's like, did you even try most men, I mean, literally so many men are like, I hate dating profile bios. And that's what they put on their dating profile bio. And it's like that literally all that tells me about who you are is that you're not even willing to try to present yourself in a way that is appealing, that like shares some truth of who you are. So like men are thinking of us as fish to be fucking caught. That's not what this is. Is this a human being with lots of touch points that intrigue me, that interest me, that I think would be fun to play with, that like... Could this potentially be a person who is like my dream theme park with all my favorite rides that I'm excited to go on and some new rides that I haven't been on before that I'm excited to ride on and some really freaking scary looking ones that are probably exhilarating if I'm brave enough and so on and so forth. You have to actually attempt to look into who a person is and connect with the details they're providing and try to establish a direct connection. When I receive messages from men and I know that they're just like looking for women that they're like, she'd be a yes, she'd be a yes, she'd be a yes, she'd be a yes. And they just send out all the right message. I can tell instantaneously when I'm getting a message like that. And I have absolutely zero interest because you know what that tells me? That man didn't stop for a second to try to figure out anything unique about me, anything interesting, anything to tell me that shows me that he took the time to try to look into my world even a little bit.
1: Yeah, they probably didn't even read your profile.
0: They probably thought my pretty blue eyes, my blonde hair, my nice boobs, and that's all they needed. Yeah. That is pure objectification of women.
1: I've got some Craigslist ads out there for some other things. And I get responses on them. And the response is like, so, so stupid, because it's like, look, obviously, you're asking me something that if you would have read my ad, you would know the answer. And we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Please don't waste my time. Read my freaking ad. And I'm sure you probably feel kind of the same way. Read my freaking profile before you send me a message.
0: People are so focused on their own experience. They're like, dating on apps is hard. Dating on the internet is hard. So I'm just going to like do something that with this like bare minimum effort that I think is going to somehow like maximize my results. It's like this like commodified thinking about dating and it's bullshit. That's not how you make connections with people. All that is, if you're sending out A number of messages and a wide net. All you're doing is looking to create a transaction with someone.
1: All right. So is it safe to say that if sex is unavailable, the dating app is probably not your top of the line first go-to?
0: It works for some people, but yeah, there's some people that try to do that and it's really, really ineffective. I mean, like sex is available to you through a dating app if you want to play certain games because there's people playing those games on those apps.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to suggest to guys, ladies, the dating app might be, you know, might be helpful for you. You might be able to kind of screen through all those messages and possibly find somebody that You could um, interact with and see where that goes. But for guys, I would say kind of look at your current context, you know, people that you already know, maybe somebody at work, maybe somebody, friend of a friend or, you know, somebody that you can already talk to somebody that maybe you already have some communication with. And so, Natalie, do you want to tell them we've got this the four men notes here? Let's go into that.
0: Uh, yeah, so what I want to say is if the way you, that you're thinking about it is you're thinking of, if you're thinking to yourself, I want to create more connection and more intimacy so that I can have more sex. I would say ask yourself why you are looking to use someone outside of yourself to fulfill this particular need. And I would argue that we're capable of meeting ourselves in every need that we have and there are multiple ways and avenues to meet every need that we have and there's a big reason why why our culture has kind of been built around using sex as an easy way to meet these base connection needs and why there are all these tropes around, you know, sex being easy for men to get and it's normal for men to have lots of sex and want lots of, lots of sex and all these things. And it's, it's because men's need for connection is what is like, the, it's the deeper unmet need that's going there that's been unmet since childhood, because when they're disconnected from their emotions, they're disconnected from their ability to connect on a deep level. And so it's really like men's desperate need for connection that drives all of that like intense sexual need. So if... If you are in a space of disconnection, if you're single and you want sex and you find it unavailable to you, my question for you is why are you so focused on getting it through sex and what are the other ways that you can meet the underlying need that is going on for you there so that when it's time for you to make a intimate connection and and try to co-create a relationship with someone, you're not doing it from this energy of, hey, how can I use you to meet this underlying need that I have that I feel really good, desperate around that hasn't been met for a long time. But instead, you're coming at it from the energy of, hey, like, I'm a healthy person who, who's doing the work to meet my needs. And I want to have fun with you and play with you and create things with you and like, do life with you?
1: There are certainly different levels. Okay. So, I mean, there's the relationship, there's certainly a fully connected, you know, relationship and being paired up a monogamous situation or something like that. But there's, you know, there's also, you know, levels that are maybe less than that. Maybe, you know, there might be other people, for example, let's say I'm, I'm meeting my own needs. I'm masturbating, I'm taking care of it. And it's like, okay, well, I don't need anybody while I'm doing that. But, you know, it would be kind of, interesting to maybe share this. I wonder if there's some women out there that they're having to meet their own needs and maybe they'd like to share, you know, kind of like, I hate to say hook up, but I mean, you know, we do live in a world where the long-term relationship it not is necessarily, um, you know, the end all be all that we thought it was. And, And sometimes, you know, hooking up is a way to begin that being more connected. You know, I get it that that's not the ideal way to start a relationship, but it could be. So, I mean, there's there's levels, there's degrees of connection and, and sexuality.
0: I think that stuff is totally normalized. And the question that I'm bringing forth here is like, the hookup culture is essentially just using each other to it, transactionally to try to meet unmet needs. And I'm suggesting that it's possible to create a much healthier culture in which we are understanding that those like really intense needs that we feel for sex are often actually intense needs for connection and or pleasure in general and or our own presence and attention. And so Instead of looking for alternative ways that we can use other people to meet those needs on the surface, we can look at what the possibilities are to meet those needs on a deeper level, to engage in more connection throughout our life. Most men have friendships that are lacking in emotional intimacy and vulnerability and you know, most people have lives that are lacking in numerous forms of pleasure.
1: So, you know, it's no secret that what I do is transactional. Okay, so women can come to me that are finding sex unavailable, and they can find it available. You know, some kind of uh, toucher uh, activity, they can find it available, and. You know, they pay me for consulting and coaching and can get a practice session for free.
0: Can I clarify that's a misuse of the, uh, like we've been using the word transactional differently than you're using it there. I would actually qualify what you do as reciprocal because there's an energy exchange that is equal going on there and and both of you leave the situation feeling fulfilled, having met your needs in a consensual way. That is reciprocal.
1: Okay, that's interesting. I mean, you know, some people see it as transactional, and that's an interesting perspective. And I don't disagree. That's, you know, there's different ways to look at it.
0: To me, transactional is an unbalanced dynamic in which, in which there's, there's sort of like unspoken agreements where there's expectations tied around, I do this, you do that.
1: I bought dinner, so you should put out.
0: Yes, uh, kind of, and it's and it's more like there's more of a tit for tat feeling in a transactional relationship. No one really feels fully satisfied. Versus when you, when you have something that is energetically reciprocal, whether it's energy, time, money, it doesn't matter. If both people leave feeling satisfied and fulfilled by the interaction, that's a reciprocal interaction. If both people leave feeling like their needs haven't been entirely met, that's transactional.
1: Okay. So this is where I want to chime in for the guys, because what I want to tell them about, you know, these women that come to me and I offer yoni massage or female happy ending massage or whatever you want to call it, you know, all kinds of erotic touch for women. And they, they come to me and a great number of them, are way more interested in the conversation the communication when we sit in the chairs and talk about okay what's going on with you they love that conversation they just thrive in somebody wanting to ask questions and be curious about them and and delve into you know what their life is like and you know why these things are happening and and you know kind of you know, just being present with them and kind of like being someone that's just listening. It isn't about the, the touch and the orgasm. Yeah, that's a good part. They like that part. But it, what's really, you know, important, guys, is they, they need that, that communication part, that connection part. Then their body like relaxes and says, okay, now I'm ready for some touch.
0: Yeah. Again, I I I think that line between like being strategic versus being intentional about creating connection. You know, you want to be careful about approaching connection with strategy, thinking it's going to get you a certain outcome. If you can just be present and hold the intention of creating connection, you know, what wants to flow from that interaction will flow. There's another possibility that came up recently. I had a conversation with a male client and he was recognizing kind of on a, on a deeper level in this conversation with me that we started working together because he's found himself in a point in his life where, uh, where he's like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. He's wondering what his direction should be right now. Um, and you know, for men, having a sense of direction is incredibly important. Having, having something that they're walking towards and building is so life-affirming. And he kept saying to me, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I said, uh, I really believe that when we say, I don't know, we're simply holding ourselves in a space of not knowing because we're affirming again, I don't know, I don't know. And instead, what we should be doing is asking the question, asking the question and letting the answer come. And um, as we were talking, I said, where's your passion in life? And he's like, I don't know what my passion is. And our conversation revealed that the closest thing that he experiences in life to passion is what he feels during sex and what he creates in energy dynamics and role playing and BDSM and things like that. He gets to feel intensity and Uh, And that is the closest emotion to passion that he experiences. And so what he's been looking to create through his sexual relations is a substitute for this deeper need and desire he has. He must identify what his passion is in life so that he can identify what direction he he wants to walk in, what he wants to build, what he wants to create. He, until he taps into what makes him feel excited to be engaged and alive and to be here living and to have the opportunity to create of course he's going to be kind of lost in this loop of just looking to create the highest sensation he can find through sexuality but that's not the that's not the pinnacle of of human experience that the whole reason I wanted to create this podcast in the first place is that we're talking about sexuality because I want to consistently remind you that sexuality is just a piece of who we are and our experience of pleasure and sexuality and intimacy deepens as we expand into and deepen into our experience of ourselves in our wholeness on our own and with each other. And so, this man isn't going to find satisfaction in life until he finds his passion.
1: You know, I, this isn't completely in line with what you're saying, but what you're saying reminds me of this. So I've, I've coached a few young guys that were single and having trouble, you know, dating and, you know, they they were, you know, a year. In fact, I've coached some women. I tell women the exact same thing. Okay. So uh, in fact, one of the, uh, one of the ladies that you sent to me, I, gave her this information and it worked really well for her and that is so get out there in the world okay and take dating off the table for a little while right literally decide okay i'm not going to i'm not going to look for somebody i'm not going to date i'm going to go out and take care of me i'm going to go out and have fun get out in the world okay you can't this doesn't work if you stay home but you have to go out Go to the movies, go out for dinner, go out with anybody, go out with a guy, go, you know, I mean, go out with somebody that's the same sex, go out with somebody that's opposite sex, go out with somebody that you're not attracted to, go out with you know somebody that you talk to, go out with your grandma, go out with your mom, get out there in the world and go out, get out with there yourself. and have fun. Go out with yourself. Well, I don't know how well that one works, but yeah, I mean, if you're out there having fun, go, you know, doing something. I'll
0: speak a moment to dating yourself, like dating yourself, going on dates with yourself, going out to dinner and sitting in your own presence and your own radiance, going to movies by yourself and being in your own bubble watching a movie, going on walks by yourself, going on like little artist dates and checking out areas of town when you want to check out and just like focusing on being with your own being is a really important practice and exercise for women, especially if you want to practice feeling safe in the world and uh, feeling like it's safe to be seen, feeling like it's safe to be powerfully walking on your own. Date yourself. Like, don't feel like you have to attach yourself to someone else.
1: So there's something extremely powerful in turning off I'm available you know i mean you can't put the resting bitch face on that's not what i mean okay in fact you got to turn that off but you you, you know you you got to not have the you know i'm looking for you vibe you know it's the uh, it's the on. i'm
0: absorbed in my own experience and enjoying myself vibe
1: yes yes and and that it, for some reason is just absolutely magnetic So like, there's a huge
0: difference between taking yourself out to dinner and sitting there and feeling insecure and distracting yourself on the phone the entire time and not really engaging with anything outside of yourself and just trying to get through the meal as quick as you can and like say, okay, I did it. I took myself on a date. There's a huge difference between that and taking yourself out to dinner, keeping your phone in your purse sitting and ordering what you want off the menu and ordering the exact same thing that you would if you were there with the date looking around the room and engaging with your surroundings and like making eye contact with the other people and sitting and enjoying your drink and just being with your own thoughts and just and like noticing yourself sitting there enjoying your own presence it's a very simple exercise being present with the food as you're like taking your bites of your food. Almost every time that I have done this and I have just gone and radiated with the energy of just enjoying sitting there being me, I've been approached uh, by random people that then became opportunities and connections. (laughs) It, It happens more than half the times just because, yes, that energy is magnetic and, alluring and really tasty and yummy to sit in if you will allow yourself to have that experience we're so used to like not letting ourselves have it not feeling safe having it but it literally feels like sitting there being like you know like dripping in honey (laughs) hello world i'm here having this cosmic honey experience with myself and you can't not be magnetic in that energy
1: All right. So, so we've given someone the task, let's say of, you know, taking a month off from dating, from looking for anybody, you know, but this topic is still, we want sex and we've, we're finding it unavailable. So I'm going to let's, I'm going to kind of trudge forward here. And I want to talk about a few things that we can do, you know, to alleviate that. So on one hand, we're not looking for sex but on the other hand, we, we've got, you know, kind of a desire or need or something that's cropping up and, you know, we want to do something with that. So there are several things that we can do. Number one, and this one's not sex, but it can alleviate some of that. And that is get a massage, a, a professional massage from a, you know, a licensed therapist. Now, obviously, don't ask them for anything sexual because that's illegal and that can get them in trouble. That can get you in trouble. But getting some touch on your body is part of what you need. And maybe you're just not really realizing that. And sometimes that can, you know, kind of help you feel like, okay, yeah, that that that's good. That kind of alleviates some of my desire for sex, right? Yeah, I
0: want to point out that massage is great too because it's more than just touch that is happening in massage when someone is massaging you there's pleasure exchange happening there's energy exchange so you're literally getting to enjoy both a physical and energetic connection with someone that's consensual that's reciprocal that it that you know both people are leaving feeling <laughs> satisfied with right that right. that is also meeting a large part of that it, it is a form of connection right Right. Which is often the deeper need driving that sexual desire.
1: Absolutely. So the next one is masturbation. And it almost seems like, you know, that's kind of obvious. But I'm going to say, you know, for a lot of people, it's not. Now, I would say for men, it's a little bit more obvious. Men, I think, are, you know, a little bit more inclined to masturbate and, you know, not have any issues about that than women are but there are a few guys, you know, that, that think they have to save it or something. It's like, Oh, let go of that shit guys. You know, it's okay. Take care of your, you know, sexual needs. It's good for you. Ladies. There are a lot of you that, you know, that just don't believe that you should masturbate at all. Okay. There are women that tell me they never masturbate. They only have, you know, sexual activities with, you know, a partner and sometimes they're waiting months or years for this to happen. Lady, this this is not good for you. This is not healthy to not, you know, let your genitals have some some touch and some uh, orgasmic release. You should be masturbating once or twice a week at least, just for the health of your genitals.
0: Whew! <laughs> Dear God, masturbate! <laughs> Do you disagree? <laughs> I, here's what I want to say about masturbation. First, I want to I want to say back to men. I do know uh, a number of men that have had really interesting, fulfilling, important uh, experiences for them around abstaining and semen retention, and like there's there's a whole little world associated with that that I am obviously not very personally informed about or experienced in, but I don't want to discount it or discredit discredit it. I do know that it's something deeply meaningful to some men. I want to make a distinction around presence while masturbating. I think, you know, we say the word masturbation and most people think throw on some porn and and whack it. And that's like such a huge form of disconnection we're like mentally disconnecting while doing this thing to our bodies we're like kind of like sending ourselves elsewhere while stimulating our bodies and there's this opportunity available to us again like i i want to drive home this point that i really think that our deeper need for connection is what is driving so much of this desire for sex And we're missing out on a huge well of opportunity for connection by not being present with ourselves when we are pleasuring ourselves. So, you know, a a lot of people are like, "I, I can't masturbate without toys. I can't masturbate without porn. I can't, I can't, I can't. As long as you keep affirming, I can't. As long as you keep telling yourselves those stories, as long as you keep doing the same thing again and again and again and again and reaffirming to yourself and your body that that's the only way that it's going to work for you, that that's the only thing that is going to happen for you, then that's going to be your experience. That's simply you creating the same reality for yourself again and again and again. It is always possible to step back and create more space for ourselves for presence and new experience and new exploration and new sensation, and it really just takes opening up to that idea and, and creating the time and space for it.
1: And I agree 100%, but I also want to encourage people, don't stop and wait until you got that all figured out. You can hit your porn and your vibrator or you know your toys, and still keep in mind that there you have growth that you can focus on too. You can continue to, like, each time you do that, you know, like, think about, you know, what Natalie said and start thinking about being present and thinking about that maybe there are other options for you to delve into that are richer and more meaningful and more connected with yourself. But don't hold back just because you don't know how to connect with yourself yet.
0: Yeah. I also think there's, you know, lots of ways to explore with yourself. A lot of people are shamed out of self-pleasure at a young age. And so that they, they simply just don't have those initial explorations. Uh, Some people only have experienced pleasure through a partner because they've never been encouraged or like really understood that it's beautiful and important to have our own relationship with our own bodies and, and how our own pleasure works. Being highly connected, consciously connected with our own bodies and the communications that are coming from it is like base level. That's a huge piece of connection that we're missing and looking for if we're, you know, obsessively looking for a partner for connection outside of ourselves. If we don't currently have this relationship with ourselves where we're like really in touch with what's going on with our own bodies and and how to meet all those needs and how to how to give it all the good things then I guess the like main point I'm trying to drive home is this isn't work that we should be doing eventually these are awarenesses that we should be dropping into and and working with collectively as soon as possible, because the more we create these connections that are based around people feeling like they're not whole and they're looking to meet these needs outside of themselves, the more we're just going to be experiencing unfulfilling connection with each other.
1: Well, and that said, you know, there are people like Natalie and I, and what we do is we help people get more connected and delve into this self-discovery with our, our coaching and consulting and workshops and practice sessions. So there are people, maybe we're too far away from you or inaccessible somehow. There are other people like us that do this kind of work and similar things that can help you move along one way or another. And so I'm being a little bit hesitant about what I say here because there are workers out there that can help you with uh, sexual activities that are, you know, kind of considered uh, on the fringes of society as illegal or immoral or something like that. And, you know, I don't want anybody to go out and get themselves in any kind of trouble uh, seeing somebody that's too far out on the fringes. But there is kind of a gray area where there are people that do yoni massage and different kinds of, Sex coaching and work and stuff like that—that that, you know the the law leaves alone and allows free passage, I guess you would say to those kind of people—and so you can look for you know that kind of resource too.
0: Sex work is reciprocal. This is one of the like lenses that I look at the world through. I, I determine whether an exchange happening in lots of different areas of life is transactional or reciprocal and i believe that anything reciprocal is good for us anything that gives to both who are engaging in the exchange and i really believe that anything that is happening consensually on both parts is ultimately healing it's ultimately a positive outcome for for those engaging in it and so That's just one of the ways, one of the examples in which our culture is built around really propping up the denying these needs. I mean, what sex work ends up being for a lot of people is a channel for connection that doesn't feel available in any other way. But again, I want to underline this question I have, which is that if the drive for sex and sexual connection is so strong that you're looking to create it through alternative channels in your life versus intimacy with a partner. Make sure you're asking yourself the question, what else is driving that need and are there alternative ways to meet those needs? I would argue that many of the people engaging in sex work exchanges are not meeting those underlying needs in other ways. They're simply using sex as a band-aid, much like my friend was in creating the passion using his sexual exploits instead of finding passion in other areas of his life. We are meant to be connected in a rich and varied way throughout our lives. We're communal beings. We're meant to have a lot of things plugged into us that we care about, that feed us, that resource us. And so many people are wandering around so disconnected, so traumatically independent (laughs) and just aching with need. And sex isn't the solution. Using sex as the solution is feeding the same experience, like the same pattern. And the solution is connection and a connection with ourselves first and foremost. So that enables us to connect more deeply with everyone and everything outside of ourselves. I loved what Damien said a couple conversations back around so much of attraction actually being intimacy avoidance because we are using these things that we have these strong desires for outside of ourselves to distract ourselves from these deeper gnawing needs that we are experiencing.
1: Well, I can hear a little crowd of men on my shoulder going, give me the (laughs) Band-Aid. In the inside of me, a little piece of me is thinking that too. But at the same time, some of what you're saying kind of reeks of monogamy, right? And I don't think that that's what you necessarily mean, but that's kind of some of the impression that I get. And it's like, oh yeah, give me the Band-Aid. I like sex. I'm okay with it just being you know, a fix for now. But the truth is, I really do like the connection that I've created. You know, I guess you would say I've got a few kind of relationships. I don't want to say I'm poly, but you know, it probably would look like that to somebody, but it isn't that it's about the sex. There is that. I like that part and that kind of has a band-aid effect, but I really do like the connected part the intimacy part the knowing someone part and everything that goes with that that makes it so much better
0: I think when you do the work to become a person capable of deeply intimate connection, you are then capable of deeply intimately connecting with anyone who matches you, who's available for that level of connection, which for some Mm. people, the desire is a single deep devoted connection. And for other people, it's multiple deep devoted connections. I don't think there's any reason to restrict it in that way. But I do think that the line is, I think some people use multiple connections as multiple band-aids versus some, you know, you personally have done more intimacy work in your life. You are more available for intimate connection than most people are. So you're not, you're not creating multiple surface interactions where, where you're transactionally using each other. There's reciprocation happening in those connections for you. And so therefore it's real intimacy, and and that's not what I'm referring to as using it as a band aid. It's possible to do the same thing with different intentions and motivations, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So
0: it's also possible to to do monogamy with the intention of using each other transactionally, isn't it? That's what that's actually the norm and what most people do, right? So, and I'm simply speaking, what I'm talking about is a whole new paradigm of evolved relating, part of why we had Damien on here about evolutionary relating is because it's a new paradigm in intimacy in which we are understanding how to create this kind of intimacy with a new form of safety and awareness that we just haven't collectively had before.
1: Well, for my part, there are other options in masturbation. I mean, gosh, there are sex clubs. There are, you know, there are other things that you can look into. Uh, You can go to the sex toy store. You can get ideas there. Get out there and look around. Delve into things on the Internet. You don't have to be, you know, completely celibate and not have some kind of sexual pleasure. There are options. You know, maybe they're not the ideal option of being connected with somebody, but don't necessarily wait for that. Get out there and look for your opportunities.
0: Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree <laughs> with the not waiting. I think we're all capable of embodying this awareness that the energy with which we do something matters and all, like s- sexual engagement with ourselves uh, is great and wonderful and if we have the right intention and energy behind it, which is like that that of pure fulfillment for ourselves and connection with ourselves and enjoyment of ourselves, great. More of that. I also think that most people need to really broaden the scope in learning to recognize what their ultimate needs are. And a lot of those things you just described could be used as just more Band-Aids being created more creatively. And so the the question is, are you engaging with your sexuality from an empowered place of I'm giving this to myself as an act of self-love and enjoyment and just like enjoying being me or am I doing this because I want to feel that and not other things and I'm wanting to shift my experience I'm like feeling driven toward this thing outside of myself because I don't really feel like being with myself or I'm like trying to avoid this much deeper feeling void which is that I really just am lonely and and want to be deeply connected to and I'm, and I'm looking for that to be met when we're really wanting sex and finding it unavailable to us, the question should be, how else can I connect to me? How else can I experience connection with myself, with other people? How else can I actively, actively, through action, people, not just thinking about it, not just intellectualizing this, but how can I actively give myself the experience of more connection in life, and actually trying to meet those sexual needs through alternative routes that are healthy, that are addressing the, that deeper root that that got disconnected at such a young age. Like we really, really are just craving being seen and held and dealt with in our truth. <sighs>
1: and this is why we call it Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky because we discussed this stuff and so much more. (laughs) And we're going to talk about these kinds of things, I'm sure, in so many more episodes in various renditions. So come on back for the next episode.
0: Next episode, we're talking to my friend Liliana. And we're going to delve deeper into the kink conversation. Because in our last one, I said, we don't have a
1: deep enough scope for th- a wide enough scope for this. So she's. Yeah. So we're going from unavailable to kink in one week. She's.
0: That's <laughs> further into that conversation. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is Rocky signing off. See you next time. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. For more resources and ways to work with us, visit gettingoffwithnatalieandrocky.com. Please don't forget to follow, rate, review, and share the show. Join us again next week for another stimulating episode. We're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.